Wow, you guys must really have missed one another since last Sunday. That's the way it's supposed to be. So we're in a series right now um, entitled The Enemy. And our topic today is we have an enemy. And it's not the kind of enemy that the men and women who fight for our military go out and uh, face every day. We don't get up in the morning and put on camouflage, and we don't walk around carrying um, various physical weapons. But we are in a battle, and we do have an enemy, and we do have weapons available at our disposal. And so when I thought about what kind of passage would kind of give us a picture of what our enemy is like and what we can expect, uh, one of the first passages that came to mind was Job chapter 1. So we're going to look at that today. And I think the story pretty much tells, uh, the, paints the picture for us itself. So we're going to read through the passage uh, as I look, look at it. So if you want to refer to it in your pew Bible, it's on page 392. So you can pull that out, but it will also be on the screen depending on what's most comfortable for you. So let's ask God's blessings on our time together. Father, we're so thankful for your word. We're thankful, Lord, for um, what we learn from reading your word. We're thankful, Lord, for your spirit that opens our eyes and opens our minds and opens our ears so that we can receive what your word says to us. So, Father, we come this morning as your humble servants, Lord, praying that you would speak to us through your word, Lord. Show us how to live facing our enemy. Show us how he works in our lives so that we can be better prepared when we meet him in battle. And thank you, O Lord, that the war has already been won. And we are thankful for the fact that you have already defeated our enemy. So we just come this morning, Father, asking your blessings on this time together, praying, Father, that you would do what you have purposed to do uh, in this word today. So we thank you, we praise you, and give you all honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's just start out at the very beginning, um, verses 1 through 5 of chapter 1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. That man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. There were born to him seven sons and three daughters. He had 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 donkeys, and very many servants. So that this man was the greatest of all the people of the east. His sons used to go and hold feasts in one another's houses in turn, and they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And when the feast days had run their course, Job would send and sanctify them, and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings in accordance with the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This is what Job always did. 
So we learn from this passage a number of things about Job. First of all, Job was a very wealthy man. Um, He had 500 yoke of oxen, which means, you know, the yoke is the thing you put around the neck of the ox to uh, help them to plow. And so you put two oxes and put a yoke on them. So he really had a thousand oxen, you know, and he had 3,000 camels. Can you imagine what kind of wealth this man had? Even in today's society, if you knew someone who had that many animals and that many servants to take care of that many animals, that was a wealthy man. It also says that Job was a blameless and upright man, and he feared God and turned away from evil. And what we learn from that is that Job was a man of integrity. So if you heard someone saying something about Job that was not a good thing, you knew that that probably was not true, because Job was a man of integrity, and he didn't play around with evil. He really wanted to live the life that really glorified God. And we also learned that Job had ten children, seven sons and three daughters. And these children made it a habit to gather with one another and to share a meal and spend time together. So we know that they loved one another because they were able to do this. Because any of you who have children know if you have ten children who choose to get together on a regular basis, they must love one another. So Job had this harmonious home. He had all this wealth. He was a man who feared God. And in fact, he was the greatest man in the East. So Job is what we would call a golden child. Job had the Midas touch. Everything he touched turned to gold. Everything he touched prospered. So this is the man that we're reading about in this passage today. And as we continue, starting at verse 6, it says, One day the heavenly beings came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, From going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one like him on the earth a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. Then Satan answered the Lord, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not put a fence around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand now and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan that he has, and he will curse you. I'm sorry. Stretch out your hand now and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, very well, all that he has is in your power. Only do not stretch out your hand against him. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. So, you know, Job was this man who had everything going on. And the downside of having so much going on and so much being great in his life was that that made him attractive to the enemy. The enemy likes to take down people who have it all together. And that's who Job was. He was a good man. He was a prosperous man. And the enemy didn't like it. And I think that the enemy had had his eyes on Job for a very long time. Because it said he, when, when God asked him where he had been, he was aware of Job. And he said, hey. You know, I can't touch him because, you know, you got him protected. You've blessed him. 
I can't do anything to him. And so our response to that, you know, God is the one that offers Job up to Satan. And I'm sorry, but I'm like, God, really? You know, don't be putting me in any trouble. I'm not asking for any trouble. But see, God offered up Job because he knew who Job was. He knew that the integrity that Job walked in had nothing to do with the things that he had given him. It was because of his faith and trust and relationship with God. So God knew that whatever Satan threw at him, Job was going to be okay. Amen? Amen. Amen. So as the passage continues, starting at verse 13, it says, One day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys were feeding beside them and the Sabians fell on them and carried them off and killed the servants with the edge of the sword. I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another came and said, The Chaldeans formed three columns, made a raid on the camels, and carried them off, and killed the servants with the edge of the sword. I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another came and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking in the eldest brother's house, and suddenly a great wind came across the desert, struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people, and they are dead. I am alone have escaped to tell you. I don't know about you, but that's a lot to digest. You know, and I, I have to be honest, I can't say that I've been in a situation where I've had that kind of succession of events. But I have had those seasons in my life where you feel like you don't want to open the door, you don't want to answer the phone, you don't want to read the email, you don't want to read the text message because you don't know what's going to be in it. You know, you say, again, something else. But that's what's happening to Job, one thing after the next after the next. And the other thing is every attack is different. He has attacks from outside forces, from outside enemies. Then we has fire fall from heaven and consume things, consume people and consume animals. And to top it all off, he has a, a natural disaster, a natural disaster. The wind comes, knocks down the house, and it falls on his children and kills them. I mean, you can't, he can't even get his breath. Before one person finishes speaking, another person comes in. He goes from having all these servants to the four that survived. No livestock, no children. It, he, Satan attacks his finances and his family all in the course of a very few minutes. And I say, my goodness. I think we've all had challenges in our lives. And what really proves who you are and where you are in your relationship with God is what you do when he takes his toys away. Job enjoyed, I'm sure, having all this cattle and all these oxen and camels spread out over his land. I'm sure he really appreciated the servants that he had. 
You know, Job was a man of integrity, and I'm sure he treated his servants well, and he had great relationships with them. And so this loss was a personal loss for him. And then his children that we know that he loved, and we know that he loved them and cared for them and fathered them well because he continually made offerings for them just in case one of them sinned against God in their hearts. He made an offering for each children, each child by name. Ten children gone in one instant. What do you do? You see, Satan's challenge to God a little while back, he said that if you touch everything that Job has, he will curse you and die. That was Satan's challenge. And that word curse really is called, it's, it's a Hebrew word called barak. And what it means really is blessed. And so it says in that text, if you do all this, he will not bless you. He will not bless you if you take everything he has away. So you need to know that Job is not the only one with an enemy. You have an enemy. And your enemy knows you very well. The same way he was aware of Job long before this attack came, he is aware of you. The same way he knew that Job's children got together regularly and had this time together, he knows your habits. And I say he knew that because he waited to launch this attack on the day that they got together. You have an enemy who is watching everything you do, looking for a moment that he can attack. That's what scripture tells us. He walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. You have a tactical enemy. Job is not in this by himself. And he starts by attacking Job's finances. Losing everything in one instant. Losing all his children in one instant. Losing most of his servants in one instant. And I think the reason he does this is he wants to get him off balance. He wants to disorient him. You know, that's how it happens when these things happen in succession. You can't think, you can't prepare. All you can do is respond. And that's what Satan wanted to do. He wanted to get Job off balance. Just perhaps if he did, he wouldn't respond in the right way. And that's what the enemy wants to do to you. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what's happening in your life. But I want you to know the enemy knows. He wants to make you off balance. He wants to disorient you in the same way that he disoriented Job. And he will do anything and everything in his power 
to accomplish that. So in verses 20 through 22, we find out how Job responded. It says, Then Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, and fell on the ground and worshipped. He said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all this Job did not sin nor charge God with wrongdoing. How many of us can say that? It wasn't that Job wasn't affected by everything that happened. It wasn't that he didn't mourn his children. It it says he got up, he tore his robe, and covered himself in sackcloth and ashes. And that's what they did when they mourned. He was in deep mourning. He knew that he had lost something precious. But his response to that was that he mourned and he worshipped. He didn't mourn and say, why me? He didn't say, God, I hate you. He mourned and he worshipped. He also recognized that all those things that he possessed, he didn't possess them because he was so great. He possessed them because God allowed him to have them. He knew that like every one of us, he came into this world naked. And he was okay going out of this world naked. Naked could be without children. Naked could be without your home. Naked could be without your money in the bank. Are you okay to be naked before God? Job was. See, the things that God had given Job did not possess him. They were just things. Even his children, and I know he loved his children. But Job knew that children were a gift from God. And if God called him home as hard and as painful as that was, that was okay. Because you know what? He still had God. He had the giver of those gifts. He had not lost him. So round one, Job. But like Job's enemy, our enemy, usually goes a little longer than round one. Hate to be the one to tell you that, but he doesn't give up that easily. So let's look at chapter two. And it says, one day the heavenly beings came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. Verse 3, the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. He's telling the same thing over again. I told you that he was a man of integrity. I told you that he feared me and he shunned evil. I told you that. I'm telling you that again. What else you got? Job says, let me find my place. Um, Oh, so the Lord said, there is none like him on the earth, a plainness and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. He still persists in his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him for no reason. 
Then Satan answered to the Lord, skin for skin. All that people have, they would give to save their lives. But stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, very well, he is in your power. Only spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and inflicted loathsome sores on Job from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. Job took a potsherd with which to scrape himself and sat among the ashes. So here we are round two. God has offered up Job, uh, Job again, and Satan says, okay, all right, I concede. You took his stuff, and he didn't curse you, but touch his body. Touch his body. And so now Satan inflicts Job with these horrible sores from the soles of his feet to the top of his head. Can you imagine? After all that he has been through, now he's sick. And it's not a sickness that is internal and that no one can see. It says loathsome sores. So when people look at him, they don't want to look at him. He has the social stigma of an illness that everyone can see. Nobody wants to touch him. Probably not even his own wife. He's embarrassed about the way he looks. And on top of that, he's in pain. Terrible pain. Every position that he tries to find is uncomfortable. He's lost his children, lost his income lost some servants who've probably been with them all their lives. And now he's sick. What would you say? What would you do? Enough already, God. Really? I want to say something. I don't know what you're facing in your body today. I don't know. We can't always see what people are going through. In Job's case, it was a physical illness. But see, even though Job was suffering. Satan didn't have permission to kill him. He didn't have permission to kill him. All he could do was make him suffer. He didn't know that Job was coming out. He didn't know what was in Job. He didn't understand this relationship with God thing. He thought, surely, 
now he's going to curse you. You've affected his body. He didn't have anything left. But what does the scripture say? Look with me at verse 9. Then his wife said to him, Do you still persist in your integrity? Curse God and die. And what she's saying to him is, Really? You going to still serve him? You going to still be this upright man in the community that everybody looks up to with all that going on on you? He took everything that we had and you going to worship him? Really? You have got to be kidding me. And this is the crucial question, I think. Are you still going to maintain your integrity when God takes away everything he's given you, even your health? And I, I can't imagine that this didn't hurt Job. This was his wife, the person he had pledged his faith and love to for the rest of his life. Through sickness and in health, through wealth and poverty, till death do us part. And here she is saying, curse God and die. Really? Is it that deep? Is it that deep? It's the stuff that God allows you to enjoy more important than your relationship with him. I know you like your house and your car, and it feels good to have money in the bank. But what if you don't? What if you get sick? Are you still going to trust God? Are you still going to walk before him in integrity? Or are you going to curse him and die? Well, then we see Job's response to his wife. Verse 10 says, but he said to her, you speak as any foolish woman would speak. Shall we receive the good at the hand of God and not receive the bad? And all this Job did not sin with his lips. Will you receive good and not receive the bad? That's the question. And see, the enemy is standing on the sidelines waiting to see your answer. Because he's betting 
that you are not going to be willing to receive the good and the bad. And as Job says, that's foolish. See, what God gave, he can take away and give again. Numerous times. So what's your response going to be? He may have taken all those things that you possessed, but this is the God who died for you. He gave up everything he had to suffer and die, be murdered, rise again for you. And just because he asked of you a little suffering, you say, nah, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. I'm out. It's not worth it. I can do better than this by myself. And if that's what you think, that's foolish. So the question for us today is a question that Satan posed at the very beginning. When they were first discussing Job, Satan asked God, does Job fear God for nothing? Isn't that something? Think about it. When you were a child, there was a certain amount of fear you had of your parent because of the punishment that would come if you disobeyed. That's not what Satan is asking. It's like he's saying, does Job fear God just because? I don't fear God because he's going to take my iPhone away. Or my car away, or my child away, or my job away, or my bank account away, or my retirement account away. Because that's what the enemy thinks. And he's going to send something into your life to challenge that. Do you fear God for nothing? Do you, Dan, fear God for nothing? Do you, Peter, fear God for nothing? Not for what he gives you. But for who he is. Because see what, at the end of the day, what Satan's really after is your faith. If he can destroy your faith, you don't have anything left. That's what all this stuff he's taking away is about. It ain't about the stuff. He wants to destroy your faith. And the question is, are you going to let him? Amen. (laughs) So the question is, 
for us today. Do we fear God for nothing? That's how you defeat your enemy. Trust me, he's crouching and waiting for any opportunity. Will you fear God for nothing?